arrived at the tomb early in the morning after the Sabbath on the first day of the week. She knew right where the tomb was, of course, because she had endured the week before as a witness to the sham trial and the horrific execution. But death, no matter how brutal, cannot dissolve every bond of affection. So the devoted disciple of the crucified rabbi from Galilee was up early that morning, before the rising of the sun, to pay her respects. The darkness that shrouded her that morning must have felt very heavy and thick, enough to wrap the whole world in a cloak of sorrow. She was on her own, or perhaps with a few other women. The other followers had scattered in their fear not to be seen since midday on Friday, the day of preparation and execution. But in the dark, Mary discovered something she did not expect. That somehow the massive stone rolled in front of the entrance to the tomb had been displaced. That that portal to the place of the dead stood open. And so she turned and ran to find the others and tell them what she had seen. When they hear this report, two of the male disciples, Peter and John, come running. The younger man outpacing Peter in their race to the tomb. They arrive and they take the next step that Mary had not, stooping to enter the crawl space of the grave, and they find it just as she had described. The heavy stone rolled away, the linen cloths that had been wrapped around the body left behind in a remarkably tidy fashion, and the tomb shockingly scandalously empty. And then they just walked away. The gospel tells us that after the months spent learning from their teacher, after the feeding and the healing and the teaching, after the trial and the torture and the execution, they see the tomb is empty and they turn around and they go back to their homes. They didn't stay to investigate further or even to talk with one another. They just went home. It's a remarkable thing. Whether we should attribute that to a stress response of some kind or confusion or some combination of the two, John does not say. But the two men just leave. And when they're gone, Mary Magdalene is left behind to weep outside the tomb of her dead and now disappeared teacher. Everything has been taken from her. There is nowhere else to go. This Easter morning is perhaps not so different from that first Easter as we might think. Today, as on that day, the future is uncertain and we cannot guess what may wait for us in the days to come. But today, as on that day, the indisputable truth remains that Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried on Friday, 
was raised from the dead and the tomb was empty on Sunday morning. He does not lie in a tomb outside Jerusalem any longer, for he was raised and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Hell was robbed of its power. Death was undone. Sin was shackled. And the glory of the Lord broke through the darkness of that morning like dawn over the eastern hills. Because God the Father justified the faithfulness of Jesus Christ the Son, raising him up by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the sake of the whole created world. And so this morning we celebrate together that when the darkness presses in too close, when the story seems to have ended in defeat, when only a miracle is enough to save us, what is dead and buried can be brought to life because our God is in the business of resurrection. Mary weeps outside the tomb. And then she stoops in to see its desolation for herself. And she is surprised a second time. Now by two men in white sitting in the place where a dead body should properly have been. Her mourning seems to puzzle them. Woman, why are you weeping? What a question. And what an answer Mary has to give. She could have said, I am weeping because I am a lone woman in a patriarchal society. Because I have a reputation as a certain kind of person that even two millennia of Christian history will not wholly erase. And I am terrified because the one in whom I have placed so much trust has been snatched away from me a second time because I saw his body broken and his dignity destroyed and I came here to do what I can to show my devotion and now not even his body is left. And so now I am done with it all. And I do not know what to do next. You might know that feeling yourself. The sensation of coming to the end of the road, to the end of your own strength, not knowing where to turn or what to do. Not just feeling abandoned, but utterly confused and without hope, with the last light winking out in your heart and your life. And yet, in that moment, we are, like Mary, not alone. She was not abandoned. She was loved and treasured and remembered. And all of that good news is waiting for her to discover, just as it waits for you and I. Poised as on the edge of a cliff in the pre-dawn hours of that morning, the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, was already working in ways that she could not fathom to do for Mary and for the whole creation something so incredible that it would shake the very foundations on which the world rests. Mary is surprised a third time now as some man appears whom she believes to be the gardener. She is not wrong. She does not recognize him for who he is, and she's not really in the mood 
for his questions about her tears and about her business. She just wants to know if he has tampered with the body that had been laying in the tomb, and if so, she will find some way to move it herself. Her devotion is that strong that she will do whatever is necessary. But that dead man she is looking for is dead no longer. The one who stands before her is the teacher that she knew and loved, the Jesus that she was seeking, and yet somehow resurrection has changed him. He has been altered. But when the Lord Jesus calls her by name, everything comes rushing back, full of light and sound and color. Here is the one that Mary came to find seeking her. As he promised, the shepherd has come back to retrieve even the one lost sheep. She must have grabbed hold of him the way that a drowning person scrambles to get a grip on anything their hands can touch. Mary must have felt her whole world slipping off of its axis. First, the tomb is empty. Then there are angelic figures in white seated in the place where the body belonged. And now she turns and the gardener is actually Jesus. And he is no longer dead. And oh my goodness, what is happening here? But Mary must not cling to the Lord. Jesus is no longer of her world. And he cannot be held back from the work that he must do. And further, she also has a new task for this new morning, the first day of the week, the first day of the rest of history. Mary, this female disciple, becomes the first preacher of the resurrection. She must go and find the cowering eleven wherever they may be hiding and tell them what she has seen and heard. The work of proclamation, of telling the good news, is left in her hands. Jesus makes no other contingency plans, exhausted and confused as she might have been. Mary is the one who will go. And she does not have the time to consider whether this is a job that she even wants. She has been commissioned, and she will go to make the triumphant announcement, I have seen the Lord. And this news will cast everything that came before in a whole new light. Life takes on new meaning, and so does death. Friends, this is truly the most glorious celebration of the whole year. When Christians around the world meet together in majestic cathedrals and humble chapels and cozy homes to hear this story again and to proclaim the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter where we might gather, no matter how we might feel, no matter the darkness of the morning or the weariness of our hearts, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. He persevered through agony and suffering. He tasted the poison of sin. He broke down the gates of hell itself and made death a captive to love for our sake. 
And that means that no power, no principality, no scheme, no idol, no virus can hope to stand against him. In the end, Christ will be all in all and will reign victorious. This is the good news that Mary heard and proclaimed to the disciples. It is the good news that has empowered the mission of the church for 2,000 years and that will continue to do so until the end of time itself. It is the good news that brings you and I together wherever we may be, across many miles, united by the love and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter how dark it is, no matter how broken and defeated we may feel, no matter what losses we may suffer, tell anyone who asks what you have heard. Jesus Christ is risen today by the power of the Holy Spirit and to the glory of God the Father. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Amen.